All right. Welcome to the Pitch Stack episode 11. We made it. We're here. We're at episode 11. Uh, I'm Douglas DeYoung, joined as always by my co-host Matt Rodriguez. Matt, how are you today? I'm doing great, you know. Uh, We had a great weekend. Today has been all right today as well. Can't complain. Yeah, we uh, we went on a little adventure this weekend. We sure did. We uh, we ended up driving, uh, let's say, uh, 180 miles to a uh, Magic the Gathering judge conference at uh, Cool Stuff Incorporated in scenic Maitland, Florida. Very scenic. And uh, oh. you know, we uh, we learned some things. It was pretty interesting, and uh, I know it's not very fab-related, but it is trading card game-related, and uh, it would be really cool if uh, Fab implemented something like this in the future, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. Like, one of the um, first Fab judge conferences is going to happen. Right? I I don't know. I'm going to start sending some emails to LSS and uh, see if we can get something like that going, whether have it be digital or... uh, or in person, because uh, yeah. I think it would be phenomenal. A hundred percent, man. And, and and plus, it'd be great for level zeros as well. And then just get people on the track for uh, certifying, you know? Absolutely. And uh, this weekend, we also had Reiner versus uh, Dory come out, Classic Battles. We did, and I can't find it anywhere. Um, it seems to be in very limited supply. Yeah, um, I'm not totally surprised. A lot of people pre-ordered this product and uh, and coming off the back of history pack one, which is very undersupplied. It's uh, not surprising. Yeah, that's true. I actually I pre-ordered my uh, my Reinar versus Dory dual decks and uh, they just haven't arrived yet. Very smart. So, yeah, looking forward to it. Super keen on it to begin with, but I did actually just buy uh some cards on uh, TCG player, the cards I had decided I was going to try to want to like a play set of, cause they turned out to be not too expensive. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I had gotten a play set of, uh, the pack call and, uh, the generic, like weapon reaction cards and a foil bone vizier. Oh, cool. I, um, I want to grab, I want to grab that Dory card, uh, that lets you put one, one counters. Yeah. That card's uh, expensive on your weapon. Yeah, I know. It's really good. It's really <laughs> the only like constructed playable card uh, in the whole thing. So absolutely. I'm going to wait on that one. We'll see. Uh, maybe it'll get printed somewhere else and uh, some kind of history pack deal or I don't know. But uh, I think I it's so. maybe too expensive right now because Dory is not really uh, play- super playable right now to begin with in CC. But have you tried it with that card? Exactly. No, ex- you know what? Yeah, <laughs> you're right. It definitely can change things up, shake it up. And uh, yeah, so I don't know. I'm hoping that uh, there's rumors of another supplemental set coming in October this year. And so I'm hoping that we see these cards show up in that supplemental set. Um, So we'll see. I uh, I do agree, though, that them being so playable is kind of a problem. I I don't know. And 100 percent, mostly for those majestic ones and seeing them really expensive is a little uh, demoralizing. But we do have some more cards to look forward to because next week or this Sunday, less than seven days, uh, this Saturday, actually, uh, June 4th, spoiler season begins for Uprising. That it does. 
which I am extremely excited for. Yeah. I, for one, hope for some really cool uh, reasons to play Draconic. And uh, maybe Faye. We'll see. Some uh, nice equipments coming out, legendary ones, hopefully. Yeah, it's it's actually an interesting decision. Uh, for them to kind of hold, like, to announce the set to generate all the hype and then really hold back on the spoilers until uh, ProQuest season is over. I think that's fascinating. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting. And uh, I hope it's not too sl- much of a slow drip. Hopefully we get a lot of it all at once. I'm yeah, feet. right. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Um so I don't know. Yeah, they. I. I am afraid of them slow dripping this on us, uh, which seems to be what they're gonna do. Although I don't know. What is it? It's a uh, two weeks. Two weeks of spoilers, and then and then Uprising comes out. Uh, I don't know the date of Uprising release, but I like to say it's probably about two weeks. Usually, yeah. <clears throat> well, cool. Yeah, I'm on board for that. Um. So I guess the uh, the big news is that we uh, we got a special guest on the show today. Hell and, yeah! Um, our first guest, our first ever guest. That's right. We have other friends. Um, <laughs> They're not imaginary. So, I swear. So uh, yeah, we're gonna hear a little bit from Pro Tour competitor, feature match featurey Jonathan Owens, and uh, we'll get to that right after the intro. Let's go. You're listening to the Pitch Stack Podcast. All right, and we're back from the intro. Uh, so today we are going to hear from Pro Tour competitor Jonathan Owens, who placed 23rd overall. Uh, so John had an amazing showing uh, on Starvo. So uh, John, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. All right. Oh yeah. So John, I'll start this off though uh, with a few questions here. So what's interesting, right, is you you showed up, you were on Starvo. Did you feel like that was the best deck to play at the Pro Tour? Um, yeah. So the thing with Starvo was uh, I had played it during uh, ProQuest season, so it was something that I felt comfortable on. Um, I wasn't sure what the the ban list was going to look like. And I felt like the other decks that were kind of favored, you know, Chain and Prism, they kind of rewarded players that were um, exclusively tied to those heroes, especially Chain, right? Where you're navigating fatigue, you're navigating um, aggro matchups, mirrors. So for me, I've, I've always felt really confident in the Guardian mirror. Um, I'm, you know, Oldham and Bravo players, so it felt like the natural pick for me that I wouldn't be nervous playing the deck. I felt comfortable navigating the mirror. And um, it just it just felt like the right pick that I, I feel like I would be more experienced compared to a lot of Guardian players that would be playing Starvo as well. Oh, right on. So, yeah, I think that was a pretty good meta call. So do you like uh, so you come from a Vanguard background, right? Is that that's primarily the other card game that you've played uh, coming um, into Flesh and Blood? 
Yeah, uh, Vanguard competitively, Pokemon TCG competitively growing up as well. Um, those have been like the main two that I've kind of played throughout the years. Oh, right on. And it's so weird like for me to hear Pokemon TCG competitively because uh, when I was growing up, Pokemon TCG was very much um, like almost every match, if you were off a of meta deck, was like a coin flip and like everyone was <laughs> 10 years old. So everyone was off meta decks. And uh, it's, it's really weird for me to hear like competitive Pokemon TCG. But one of my friends actually the other day was he was telling me like about like like how the meta is and how competitive everything is. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he showed me his deck. And I was like, oh, this is this is a completely different game than I than I grew up playing. So that's, yeah, that's interesting. Assumption. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, the game has changed a lot, unfortunately. Um, I like the older formats of the game. Even right now, as like a seasoned TCG player, um, I would say that the older formats of the game are just like a really fun, rewarding experience. Um, I played during Heart Gold Soul Silver era, and uh, there was like 10, 10 tier one decks at the time. Um, everything was pretty unique. So it, it was a bit different than what it is now, but you know, games have their ups and downs. So I kind of just played that for like about four years. That's how, that's what got mm. me into TCGs. So I have to be thankful for it. Now between so I'm very unfamiliar with Vanguard, uh, but so between Pokemon TCG and uh, and Vanguard, which one do you think has the skill set that transfers over to Fab the most? Oh, I would say Vanguard. Um, I, I surprisingly enough, like uh, Namvo, who won one of the callings, also was a Vanguard player. That I actually knew back in the day, so it was pretty funny to see. Like it transitions really well, um, from my point of view, because Vanguard's a game of of resources, denying your opponent resources and blocking. Uh, blocking is absolutely huge in Vanguard. So you know, a lot of times Pokemon TCG is just solitaire, and kind of playing your deck to the best of your ability, but you're not ever put in situations where you know you have to make a decision of losing this card or you know, using it to go on the offense type of deal because there's there's no blocking. So, you know, having that, having those special situations in Vanguard where you literally have to block and you have to sacrifice, it made the mindset a bit easier coming into Fab for sure. Oh, right on. So I so I come from like a background of Magic the Gathering, uh, as does Matt. And um, the other card game that I have played extensively, though, is the original Dragon Ball score card game. So not like the Dragon Ball collectible card game that Bandai produces, but the original Dragon Ball Z trading card game. Um, it was originally produced by Score, like the uh, the makers of the sports cards. And then, um, then they eventually sold it to Panini, uh, who continued to make it. And what's fascinating to me is um, when I first picked up Pl- Flesh and Blood, it was like, oh, this is, the, this is just the Dragon Ball Z card game. Uh, they finally made it. And so for me, it was... Uh, it was like a breath of fresh air because obviously I hadn't played the Dragon Ball card game in, I don't know, 15 years. And uh, it's like you said with Pokemon, like I feel like Magic can do the same thing where you're kind of just playing your deck and setting your deck up and like doing the things that your deck needs to do as opposed to the extremely high level of interaction that comes with Flesh and Blood and apparently Vanguard. So maybe I need to check Vanguard out. Yeah, hey, for sure. He, yeah. Keeps, uh, he keeps poking at me to try a little Vanguard as well. So I don't know, maybe one of these days I'll finally do it. Cards are just too small. small. (laughs) Yeah, they're they're the the smaller Yu-Gi-Oh size. Um, Yeah, I haven't been playing as much um, Vanguard lately. I'm getting back in. I just built a a deck for a tournament at the end of the month. So I'm finally getting back, you know, after Pro Tour. 
had to be focused on the grind up until now. So uh, now we can take a little breather, basically, until Uprising. Excellent. Yeah. So, okay. So I so now I have like I've got a couple high level questions about Flesh and Blood. Um, specifically, something I've noticed. Uh, and I mean anybody who's looking at the meta game right now, you'll see that Starvo and Chain are absolutely dominating the meta. And so, do you think that the reason these decks are dominating is because they are the ones that kind of uh? In my opinion, they're the two decks that scale the most with your ability to memorize your pitch stack, if that makes sense. Like, uh, um, do you think it's that they have a higher skill ceiling, or is it just a combination of that and the card pool? I actually don't think so. I think that Starvo is only dominating because of the aspect of hand control. And that's something that's very unexplored in Fab um, that we obviously already see the implications of. Because when you have an Okanold, you have you know Okanold and Crippling Crush, which just basically tell your opponent to take a turn off and, and deal incredible amounts of damage. So when you do that and when you're able to manipulate hand, I think that it's actually a very bad design space um, that oppresses pretty much every other deck. Um, because obviously you need cards to play Fab. It's supposed to be black, uh, back and forth um, with blocking and attacking. But when you have cards like Okanold and Crippling, they don't give your opponent the choice. Um, so I think that's an aspect of Starvo that makes it the most unhealthy. I think if, if Okanold was Oldham's specialization, I don't think the deck would be nearly as insane as it is. At least Aggro can play into it a bit better. Um, with Chain, Chain has uh, aspects that are complex, um, but a lot of the time, it just it's just the best Aggro deck. So Carrion Husk and the incredible amount of just shield value it has with its equipment, I just think propels it to have such a such a fast gameplay into other aggro decks that kind of gatekeeps them, plus the concept of Banish Zone. So you have Starvo kind of taking away hand from other players and Chain playing with like an extended hand. So I think that's the cause, personally. That makes sense. It's that makes just the uh, pure card advantage seems to be exactly what's happening with both these decks. I so, I mean, I kind of agree, though, that it is more oppressive with Starvo because you have a momentum swing on two different axes or mm-hmm. axes. I don't know. I need to Listen, look that up later. Very interesting. Now that you've said it out loud and it's made me realize this as well, is that uh, maybe that's why uh, the new Lexi decks performing really well is that it makes blocking uh, very hard and unpredictable. And it also controls the, you know, it also controls your hand with yeah, uh, amulets of ice with uh you know, even the amount of uh, pitch you have to pitch to pay your cards for frostbites, and also the uh, discard arrow. Yeah, I think Lexi oh, yeah, was insane. I mean, I saw it at the Pro Tour at the top tables. I think it was like eight zero or seven zero at one point, and um, it was insane. I mean, just just looking at it, and I was like, "Why is Lexi there?" You know, I hadn't really regarded Lexi as a uh, as a top hero until I kind of thought about it for a second. And it was like in front of our faces this entire time. Because if you look at Ranger and Guardian, they're actually really similar. I mean, you have cards like Sleep Dart. It's, it seems like it's a class that has options. They're just not necessarily regularly explored. So you have Sleep Dart and um, Fatigue Shot and, you know, Battering Bolt. And like there is a lot of disruption. All the Ice cards too. And um, 
I don't think it was really explored with, you know, a very tweaked into the meta type of list that has all that disruption. So it almost acts as like a little bit weaker than chain, but by losing a little bit of that, you know, aggressive pressure, you get in turn a little bit of control that tells, you know, Starvo and all these other decks, like you're not going to have the four card hand, even if you don't block, which is just absolutely fantastic, really, especially when Starvo needs to fuse. Yeah, they have to respect it. Yeah, you just don't have a choice. I mean, I played against it at ProQuest and it was, I had it, I barely won the match. I was at one life on Starvo and I only got out by drawing a crippling crush fuse off a four card hand. So, I mean, the the deck just tells you, you know, you're not going to be able to fuse. If you do fuse, it's going to cost you and you're not going to be able to hammer or arsenal. So it, it definitely, definitely really came out of nowhere. Yeah. And it's crazy how well that Yuki Bender list performed at the Pro Tour. You know, she was crushing and tanking names. Making it yeah. all the way up until the top 32, I believe. Yeah, and, I, think uh, she, I think she got 30, 30th or 31st. Really good yeah, job, though. She squeaked right in. And, uh, you know, regarding the Pro Tour, um, how was your Pro Tour experience personally? Because I don't know if uh, we've, we've delved too much into that. Um, It was really good. It was really good. I'm pretty sure I played like nine different countries, which is absolutely crazy. Um, the the banquet on Thursday was probably the highlight. It was just really, really uh, well ran. And there was a ton of food. It felt like an actual banquet. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. they may have like refreshments, I guess, at events. And it's, you know, not really that much like effort put into it. But it felt like a really good weekend experience for sure. The venue was like literally right next to like four different hotels within walking distance so it was very well planned out um the event was super smooth and there was plenty of judges and things were just they just ran very smooth i mean we got done by about five o'clock every day um i ended up finishing um 10 and 4 so i got 23rd um nothing yeah, that's about really awesome. yeah played like so many starvo mirrors i believe it was four prism one chain, one dash, and the rest was Starvo. Um, so it was pretty much what I expected. I expected a little bit more chain, but they were there. I just wasn't pairing into them. Um, yeah, I think they reason. were they were uh, losing a little bit more earlier, and they weren't in your bracket. Yeah, I, I actually did notice that, which was crazy. I played chain round one, um, and looking around by round six and seven, it just looked like Prism and Starvo everywhere. Um, didn't really see. I saw the Kano's too. The Kano's were scary. I had Shock yeah. Charmers, luckily. I actually was okay with playing into Kano, but... Um, I was super looking forward to seeing you play Kano, to be honest. Play yeah, against Kano. Yeah. All those, uh, all those 4am Denny's runs with Angel getting forced to play into <laughs> Kano would pay and, off. And Lexi, apparently, because that Lexi. paid off. <laughs> Shout out Angel. He knew the I meta before compl- it happened. <laughs> I used to complain, like, play other, play other decks, bro. These decks are bad. And then I'm eating my words the week yeah. after. <laughs> He's eating feather. <laughs> he was eating ahead, bro. Yeah. He yeah. the tech the whole time, bro. <laughs> yeah, and you know, and now that uh, you know, although Starvo didn't actually win the Pro Tour, um, the single he chain. didn't win the call. Yeah, exactly. But he did win the calling, so he will be living legend as soon as uh, we get the new uh, Uprising set. But uh, what do you think that the format will look like without Starvo? Of course, it's hard to say without knowing what the new heroes will look like. 
and uh, their respective decks and card pools. But uh, what do you think moving forward uh, we should expect in the format without Starvo? Um, I think you'll see Oldham and Prism actually bump up. And the reason is Oldham will be really great into the aggro deck. And because of that, you know, people will just have to play Prism. And the people that already play Prism will just play Prism anyway. Um, mm-hmm. Plus, Prism has the aggro plan. I don't think that the aggro matchups in a Prism are as bad as people make them out to be. So I think Lexi is actually pretty well positioned. Um, I don't think Briar will be as good as it was. And the reason is because of the existence of Ice. So the fact that Ice is getting more support in this next set will be really detrimental. You know, one Frostbite just really derails what Briar wants to do. Even just an Ice Hammer for four is just absolute misery. So I'm not sure if Briar will be... I think Briar's a good deck, but I don't think it has the capacity like Chain did to really deal with a little bit of Frostbite. Um, just not enough blue cards really in the deck. I think Faye, I think Faye and um, Dramai, I believe, will be... I don't... They'll be, I think they'll be good. I don't know how yeah. good. But it seems like LSS is really hyping up the set. I think Icelander will be good too, as a kind of like a hybrid deck that will play attack and the arcane damage, which we haven't really seen a good mixture of that in, in Wizard. So I think that'll be interesting to see. But I do think all the new heroes will add something. Um, we can't really say anything in particular until we kind of get hero abilities and then we can kind of theory craft from there and figure sure. out do we do we think it's going to be really good um or are we going to get some average heroes because i mean lately the heroes have been stacked if you look at tales of aria yeah i mean i mean oldham briar and lexi are all competitively viable right then you have some of the older heroes which really fell out like dash hasn't been doing as well as i'd like it to since um since like the, that monarch format and uh prism stayed stayed good um Levia and all these other decks too have just kind of fallen off. So I think it'll be interesting. Maybe there'll be room for, you know, older contenders to come back in. Yeah, for sure. I mean, maybe that says something about talents in general, that that's kind of like the future of fab, which I kind of would like to think that that's not the case. Um, But, you know, especially with all this talk about uprising, that definitely brings us into the next question. What do you hope to see in uprising with, for new card space, right? Because, we know they're pushing Icelander to be sort of this new stacks deck, right? Which is definitely going to start just wrecking Runeblade's days, right? Um, they're already playing on such tight mana costs and stuff. Um, but yeah, these afflictions, auras, arcane damage, like you were saying, hybrid. Um, and then, but we haven't seen much for Draconic. So, what kind of between the two elements and the two new uh, heroes that we're going to get? What do you hope to see regarding card design space and uprising? Um, I'd like to see less of kind of like the oppressive cards like Channel, like Frigid, um, if that makes sense. I don't know how to categorize them. Yeah. Like very controlled so resources. We usually call those stacks cards. It's like a Magic the Gathering slang term that's okay. bled into other that makes sense. DCGs. Yeah. yeah, so I think we I see less, less stack cards personally. Um, I'd like to see a bit more mid-range. Um, mm-hmm. I like the back-and-forth aspect of Fab, and I feel like when you have those cards like Channel like Frigid, you know, a lot of players just immediately pivot to the let me block out my entire hand and wait till this thing is dead. Um, and then when you have 
things like auras in existence that just stay on the board. You have to swing into them. I like the back and forth. Um, I like to see more design space that kind of encourages that um, or rewards you, I guess, for kind of going in on your opponent or even maybe playing maybe a card that says if you have one card in your hand, it has an effect. Um, if you have two or less cards in your hand, it has an effect. Yeah, um, that's actually pretty cool. Yeah, just, just something that kind of adds a little bit more depth. Um, if you have one card in your hand, right, it means you block most likely or you played out another card. So it could say maybe if you didn't play another card and you have one card in your hand, then it has like cool effect. Um, I like to see definitely more interaction with with, uh, with auras because I feel like the existence of prism and and some of these some of these uh, these auras kind of gatekeep a lot of decks from existing. Um, especially the guardians. Um, I'm biased. I'm a guardian main, but even some ranger decks like just can't handle prism. Um, decks that do you know more than Less than less than two attacks a turn, just really struggle. Let me see some generic support, maybe that can be teched in. That doesn't have to destroy Prism, but at least you know it gives decks like Oldham like maybe a forty sixty instead of a ninety five five. I really don't like going into a game and having like a confirmed loss. Like I just don't think that's healthy in general. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It doesn't, you know, it's it's very much like. Um... You know, magic. You have your matchups where you just concede, like you just know you're losing. Time you know? sieve, ban yeah. it. <laughs> um. Apparently, a good card. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, it's it's not it's not fun to just like uh, walk up to a match and just know you're lo- you've lost because you know your deck your your deck your hero doesn't have the tools necessary, right? Yeah, you just can't. You just physically miserable. can't slot it's so miserable in as an yeah. old main like. Someone that wants to play Oldham, and I know Michael Hamilton feels the same if he's <laughs> listening. Um, you know, I almost played Oldham for Pro Tour, and then I had people snap me back in my senses, and they're going to be like, "You're just going to get mad if you play Prism." And I'm like, "Yeah, you're not wrong." <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> been through the the Prism despair arc with uh, with Doug here and some other yeah, some other local gamers who kind of whipped me into shape though for that matchup. So thank you guys for that. Yeah, and it kind of sounds like you're on the uh, the Prism plan now, though. I am. I picked up Prism. I gotta <laughs> send it to Living Legend as soon as possible. That's one yeah, way to I do it. Say, when we were testing for the Pro Tour, uh, I like anytime I saw, like, whenever I saw you on a feature match or whenever you were reporting, like that you crushed somebody. I was like, yeah, I beat that guy seven times last week. I was like, it's <laughs> true. <laughs> Dude, the prism, the prism despair arc, bro. I was so serious. If you saw my face, Doug, during those games, I wasn't talking. I usually am joking around, having a good time. But I was like, I was going through seven different, you know, multiverses where how to beat prism, you know, like questioning life, like why does this deck exist? Why do <laughs> why do double aura turns happen? Like it, it was it was wild. It was, it was next level. <laughs> double aura turns. You gotta love it, right? <laughs> I think I was like depressed. I remember coming home that night, where I'm pretty sure you just slapped me for like seven games straight. I just questioned. <laughs> I went and got ice cream everything. after. <laughs> <laughs> ice cream to celebrate. Starvo tears. Oh. Starvo tears. Yeah, Tasty it's actually funny. Starvo tears. I just realized uh, that you don't really need to lead the charge. Like there was this, like guardian, you know, the control guardian player mentality that I was kind of trying to force. You know, where it's like you just swing at the aura. And then I realized, I'm like, wait a minute. You can just up your fuse rate and go face. That's literally what I did at the at the Pro Tour, and it was working. Um, you just side out. 
yeah, you just full casino. It's like you're wasting time giving Prism more more wiggle room to double aura and to do some other plays. Like obviously you have to manage the auras um, towards the start of the game, but once you get you know past under maybe like fifteen twenty life, you just go in. You just got to commit and go all in, and you know hope they didn't draw hands that block. A lot of times they don't. It's kind of obvious when they don't. So, yeah, I mean, I needed the experience. I needed the, the butt kicking to, to be able to kind of figure out what was wrong. So appreciate the, the, the testing. Yeah, no worries. You know, it's interesting, though. I was talking about the design space for the game uh, and what's missing. And it's weird. The, uh, the game doesn't have a lot of graveyard manipulation. So I wonder if we're, uh, we're finally going to see some of that. Oh, that's a, good, that's a good point. I think yeah. that's dangerous, though. I think that's very dangerous. And the reason why is search and fab, like getting things on demand is inherently broken. I mean, look at Awakening. Um, Showtime is absolutely, yeah, become um, Showtime, uh, Awakening. Like those are three absolutely broken cards that all, Belittle Minimalism literally just has search. Like all of them are heavy, heavy, just powerhouses in the format. So. I feel like they got to be careful with graveyard, even in like from Vanguard graveyard manipulations always been broken. Um, just very, cause you just get what you want when you want it. And I feel like fab as a game is very much like you take what you're given, you know, it's like, if you get, what's that saying with like the lemonade, it's like when life gives you lemons, you make lemons, <laughs> you make lemonade. Yeah. It's when like, life gives you a handful <laughs> of two blocks, you block for eight or exactly. you block, yeah, you block that's, for eight. <laughs> that's literally how I feel about fab where it's like, if life gives you, you know, if fab gives you four card red hand, you block. And, uh, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's like, you know, if, um, it, it just feels like, uh, if you get things on demand, too consistently it'll be problematic like imagine if i could just open old some graveyard because i have like a talent that says well, i can do it let's not think about that it's interesting right <laughs> though because when you look at a card like rattle bones you know i like oh, so good yeah you get card. go again out of nowhere and you get to just like you get to pick something off the prize wall that is your graveyard and <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, I think you're right, like though, because Rattlebones feels <laughs> oppressive when you're playing against Runeblade, and I feel like any sort of graveyard manipulation would kind of end up looking like Rattlebones. So that, that is an interesting point. It has to be heavily costed. I think it's, it's okay, but it needs to be like a channel. Maybe it's like a channel that costs like six to play or something, and then you can play attack actions from graveyard. Um, something like that, I guess. Oh, imagine, yeah, that, that gives me some cra crazy ideas in my head right now. Yeah, but it has to be heavily costed. I think if it becomes cheap, then, I mean, reusing cards in Fab is pretty bad. Because part of the skill is, like, tracking, right? So it's like, I know, you know, Matt has one swarming left. He's out of his two rattle bones. So I can only get hit with swarming two more times. And, you know, you're kind of just going through that sometimes in games. I think if you have just instant access to, like, constantly recur cards, it can also become really bad for certain matchups. Like, imagine if you were able to, like, recur, like, arrows. Like, like I don't know, some broken arrow. Like, what's a broken arrow? Like, the, the one that turns off hero abilities. Imagine if every single turn you were getting hit with a turn off hero abilities in the Starvo. I will say that there is Memorial Ground, which uh, Azalea decks have been known to run. Not that Azalea is uh, particularly good. But but yeah, <laughs> Memorial Ground's an instant that actually lets you put uh, an attack action card mm -hmm. on top of your deck from your graveyard. Yeah, so. at, least it, at least it minuses you. Like, it doesn't play it per se. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it gets rid of a card in your hand, and it, I don't you think actually it has have to draw value. it. If yeah, and it has no it. shield value. Yeah, it's an instant. No shield value. Yeah, there's definitely downsides to playing the card. You know, it's not like yeah. it's a, an action with go again and it blocks. Right. But I do think if Fab continues to stay pretty aggressive that we won't really see these second cycle decks. There may be like the graveyard. You know, you block with certain attack actions to play them later. You know, maybe that becomes like, you know, a gameplay mechanic. I don't think that's terrible, but I just don't think it should. I think it should be heavily heavily tested about bringing stuff back from the graveyard and reading thought it actually seems like that's kind of something of a direction that they're headed towards at least with the draconic talent because thaw has a triggered ability from the graveyard oh is that confirmed i mean it it's a card that was uh previewed like uh when they introduced the story for uprising it's a two cost six power draconic attack um and it says at the beginning of your uh, of your uh, start turn, start of turn, if it's in your graveyard, you can banish it, and then you get to uh, destroy a uh, frostbite you control, uh, unfreeze any target hero, or unfreeze an equipment or weapon or something. Interesting. I don't mind effects going off from the graveyard. I just don't know. I think that actually adds a layer. Effects yeah. going off, like I think that's actually a really good design space. Actually, now that we now that we brought that up, because. Being able to like respond to something if you have maybe you know like you can pay two if it's in your graveyard. I know Magic has something like that, right? There yeah, has to be of stuff. The, the whole game is graveyard manipulation now, or at least the modern format is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, it's broken. More proof. So yeah, Magic's got a lot of busted things, but there's a lot of busted things to counter the busted things. So it's kind of a give Fight and take. Power creep. With power creep. <laughs> Constant power together. Creep. It's a uh, it's an arms race essentially. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, though. I don't know what Uprising will bring. They've been very secretive about it. The card guy's got a legendary, apparently. They got a legendary. Really? Yeah, they're going to reveal it. It's going to be hype. That's dope as hell. Very dope. Very dope. I can't believe LSS. Did they spoil legendaries? Did like content creators do legendaries last time? I wasn't yeah, paying attention I, I to Aria. I think so. I mean, they gave us Skullcap. And then... Uh... I think the uh, I think a few other lower like smaller content creators uh, got to spoil the Eisenloft, the Bastion of Eisenloft, and uh, and the uh, Silver Palms, right? If I'm not mistaken. Gotcha. Yeah. Interesting. Oh yeah, I forgot. Oh yeah, that is what they did for Silver Palms. Interesting. Well, so before we go in and analyze. Season two of the ProQuest. We have all sorts of week two results right here that we want to run by you, John. Before we go into this, uh, not looking at any stats, who do you think is the most underrated or underrepresented hero in the current metagame? Ooh. Well, I can't say Lexi. I would have said Lexi, I think, but now I can't say Lexi because it's, it's just everywhere. Yeah, it's almost overrepresented. All the all the <laughs> Ranger fans are finally vindicated. It's come out of the woodwork. All closet Ranger fans that <laughs> never picked it up. Now they're just like, I've always loved it. <laughs> Our time to shine is now. <laughs> so, hmm. Oh man, that's a. I actually, oh, this is such a biased take, but I say Bravo Showstopper. Really interesting. Yeah, because I feel like a well a well made Bravo list beats Starvo and beat Chain. And then beats like every other aggro, you just fold the prism. 
But yeah, yeah, it's just the folding the prison thing is something I don't like. I don't think there's necessarily a hero outside of that that kind of I think is necessarily underrated. I think Viserai. Matt is such a good Viserai pilot. Like he played that at ProQuest and oh, was just handing L's, bro. He was handing L's to Starvo. <laughs> I look over and he's not breaking a sweat. And he has Starvo like full blocking. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, he's what is he doing? Like so man, maybe Viserai. Maybe Viserai actually. I think because uh, Viserai doesn't fold the prism. You can at least put up a shot into most aggro decks. What I like about Viserai is that he doesn't fold to anybody. It doesn't fold, yeah. No, I'm not changing my answer. I think Viserai. The only... Bravo is, like, second place, but the fact that he folds to Prism, it's just too dangerous. Because, I mean, I played Prism in top eight and top four of ProQuest, so it's, like, it's just gonna be there. You're gonna face at least one. And if that one isn't the top, and you're playing a deck that has, like, a 0% win rate, like, why are you even there? Like, you could have just, you know, packed up, you know, round three and went home, got a sandwich or something. Instead, you know, you're like starved 11 hours, you know. And what did you get out of it? A pack of sleeves? I mean. <laughs> yeah, it's rough out there. Kind of gross. It's rough out there. Kind of gross. You come home, you know, like your girlfriend's mad at you, you know. It's like 11 hours to play this tournament. And what do you have to show for it? You don't have a gold foil. You don't even right. have a nice mat. You don't even have a nice mat. You just got a pack of sleeves. <laughs> and you're just like, I got these sleeves. <laughs> yeah i mean i remember uh i got top four at uh the first pro quest this year and i got a freaking 300 dollars cold foil hero come on yeah. where, where's my 100 dollars promo card oh i will say um this is actually really interesting right so the pricing structure has completely changed with like rtn's last year because matt you and i both kind of started around the same era within the like within a few months um, and we both yeah. played our first RTN, didn't we? Wasn't yes. that the the, the uh, Time Twister RTN? Yeah, we that was our first event. Yeah, that was mine events. as well. Yeah, and I had like a week into the game, like literally a week and a half. I had played like three games of Fab total, That's and funny. I remember that first place got like a tunic mat and a full art tunic. Yeah, it was gross. It was gross. Like looking back, I didn't even think about that until recently because it was like you know. You're a new player. I'm not really looking at those things. I'm not looking at the first place prize. I'm just trying to figure out, you know, what these cards even do. So, but yeah, I mean, if you look at that and then you look at RTN this year and you look at ProQuest season two, I mean, season one had all the, had the swag, you know, you got a, you got a mat for top two, you got, um, cold foil heroes. It was pretty hype, but then season two is just sleeves and there's no mat. And then first place gets a gold foil, but then RTN is just gold foils. Yeah, so, we'll see. I mean, I don't know if they're going to introduce more stuff, and we're going to talk about a little bit about the announcement for Roads Nationals a little bit later. It's not technically an official announcement, but it was like a, a retailer release kind of deal. Cool. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, you know, the ProQuest Week 2 meta has kicked off, and uh, Fab TCG has put out a few articles about it and give us, has given us some data. So, uh, you know, we have quite a few results to look at, uh, and Fab Dojo has actually updated a handful, not too many actually, but a handful of uh, event results with deck lists. And uh, one of the most interesting things I think I see stand out to me is that uh, Dorinthia won a ProQuest in Norway. Indeed. 
Dorinthia. at Game Ninja, piloted by one Oscar Cruz. Um, I gotta say, this list pretty interesting. Uh, there's a yes. lot of um, <laughs> there's a lot of cards that I uh, I wouldn't use. And what's really interesting is uh, they're actually running Unified Decree, which is yeah. uh, has been a bulk mega rare up until <laughs> now. That's one. That's the card that caught my eye. Time to search and, my bulk. Uh, I don't know. I think one of my favorite things about this list is that it, I, I don't know where the clerical error is or if when they filled it out, it was like as a joke. I see it. But it lists zero Valiant Thrust, like, <laughs> which is really funny. Um, In red. So, so I don't know. <laughs> like Obviously a Bolton card, uh, but it, that's just really funny to list zero. You'd really, you'd really upset your local judge. Um, <laughs> you probably wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I, this list is phenomenal. I might actually copy it because I, uh, I'm I've secretly been a Dory fanboy since the beginning. Uh-huh. Um, I have special sleeves picked out and everything for whenever I can build the deck. So I'm really happy about this. Yeah, Dory's cool. I think Dory just catches a lot of new players off guard too. I mean, oh for sure. Like if you don't know how to block and reprise and. You know what the conditions are for a lot of cards. You can punish people really hard. Absolutely, the game knowledge um, is massive. Oh, for sure. What was interesting too is uh, someone I forgot who it was. But someone had mentioned um, playing Dory at a pro quest and doing really well with it. I think it was was it Fluke and Box? That might have been Fluke and Box. And um, they had said that like they got a bunch of counters on Dawnblade, like Dawnblade Dory. And if you think about it, right, like Starvo and, and Chain don't want to block. So it's like, you can rack up some counters. I mean, if I have the Okanolfies in hand, like, I'm not going to be concerned about you getting a counter, right? Yeah. You know, or something crazy like that. But then if, if the game keeps going and they keep getting more and more counters, it can become problematic. And like if you try Chain, to block it, it punish you for blocking it. Exactly. Like, especially with Chain, like, oh my gosh, like. Imagine just getting beat up every single turn. Like now you have to block, and if you have to block, you're going to get punished anyway. It's like damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah, I think you've just convinced Doug to play uh, Dorinthia. Our next. Uh... How, how much is that majestic going for? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. I've got a few for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, not the uh, not that one. The one that directly puts counters on Donblade. The one that uh, from oh, that one's classic nothing bees. Either. Oh wait. Oh, that one. I think we're talking about the new one that uh, came out with. Uh... There's one that actually does do the same thing that came out from uh, Everfest. It's not on this list, though. But yeah, that one's 26 bucks from the Classic Battles. Yikes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Reiner, Reiner got destroyed, bro, in that set. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Reiner made yeah. it, bro. Big set. Uh, and of course, we've seen some Starvo and Chain wins uh, this pure quest week. Um, there is one interesting thing though i did find out that there's this uh shane player who won in hong kong uh kaiser wong and on fab dojo he actually has two entries to his name this proquest season uh earlier in the season in march 12th he won with viscerai he got first at another one with viscerai and at a first at a different uh store with shane roomblade savant and his viscerai yeah, his his yeah exactly. That's the next one he's going for. His Viscerai list though is pretty interesting. It's kind of a uh, uh, an older style list that runs ninth blades, 
ye- yellow reeds and red reeds, but it doesn't run removables. It runs two sinks and three reduced to ring chance. Yeah, I think he wasn't expecting Starbo, or he has decided that he that doesn't matter because you know you're not going to block it anyway type of deal. A lot of yeah. people in ProQuest season two weren't playing Starvo because if you think about it, it's like it's bad practice because the deck's going away anyway. So I think people, especially if you're not going to France or you don't plan to go to France, which is a lot of people, I think, um, at least here in the states. Um, so it kind of is maybe people are more comfortable playing different decks compared to like exclusively like oh I want to go to New Jersey it's right there it's a little bit harder even for me I can't go to France so I mean I did play Starbo at the, the ProQuest so I'm uh I'm not uh really you know supposed to be talking I guess but I think <laughs> well, you were really room with it <laughs> I like I mean, I'm sad I'm sad it's gone bro I'm like the only person in the world that's gonna miss Starbo but My but you know there, there was always still a gold foil on the line so you couldn't couldn't be blamed for wanting to play a little uh, bit of a win more deck if- yeah, it's fun. I like counting the three colors. Hard. <laughs> the three colors on the rainbow. Three crayons. Now, I think there's... So, so we mentioned Dory, right? Uh, there's something else that I think is worth mentioning, and I haven't found this anywhere. I don't know if the deck list exists, but Matt, you mentioned this me this to me in the car yesterday while we were driving home from Orlando, and oh, you I mentioned know. that Levia won. Oh, I know. <laughs> the zero blood debt Levia. I have the list. I have the list. What you do? Oh man, you I know do. about this. Let me, let me. Um, I saw it on Twitter. Let me see if I can go pull it up. Give me a so second. Oh, thing. There's been Levias that top eight, like easily, right? Um, yeah, especially when there's eight people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> ProQuest. <laughs> especially when yeah. you're the only one. When you convince everyone that ProQuest doesn't exist, and you show up. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out. You know, I, I wasn't. It wasn't. Um, it wasn't the man, the myth, the legend representing Levia. I'm not talking about Mansant, but uh, the right time gaming guy who was on uh, stream. I forgot his name, sadly, because he he's on Facebook represented by Right Time Gaming. But um, but yeah, like uh, he's been he's been going to ProQuest all over playing Levia, still trying to get her loving legend points. Dude, I still don't know what Levia does, and I've played this game for like nine <laughs> months now. She her ability actually doesn't do anything <laughs> except turn blood bed off. <laughs> All I like, know is no, it's like no lie. <laughs> it's like carrying husk and like Reinar cards, but without intimidate. That's that's all I understand. And banishing. Well, that, the, banishing. Yeah, instead of discarding a card to play the card, you have to exile you have to banish cards from your graveyard. Yeah, I'm I'm not uh I'm not finding this thing. We definitely are gonna see it next week because it seems that because Last week when we did the podcast, I said that I saw a Azalea make first place. I'm oh, sorry, an Azalea get top eight, right? Uh, and it wasn't tracked on their on FabTCG, but this week it was. This week, uh, FabTCG actually has an Azalea making a single top eight. So I think yeah, maybe next week. Now. Oh man! So I E Strike. <laughs> of course, it played E Strike. Um. So yeah, I guess I guess we're getting to a point where I don't know. I it's weird to say this, but it's almost like any hero can win minus Azalea, obviously. <laughs> um I don't that's so fascinating to me that like I guess it just comes down to one of the things I notice about this game, right, that I feel 
does not really transfer like from other trading card games, or at least not any of the ones that I've played, like especially Magic the Gathering, is like people like have mascots in this game and they're just absolutely devoted to decks. Like, don't get me wrong, like I'm like I'm a Jund player through and through in Magic the Gathering, and I'll always play some flavor of Jund in modern, no matter what happens, uh, much to my own, you know, my own folly. But it's weird because I there's like this I don't know there's this thing that happens in flesh and blood where people are just like no this is my hero I don't care what happens I'm going to win with Levia and um I think there's people that do that with Azalea too uh and then I know I slightly mentioned it earlier but I don't think I was capable of putting it into words as much but the that so many Lexi players were finally vindicated <laughs> uh, after years of just worshiping the ranger idea or the deck where now they can finally have their mascot win so with that said john here's my question who is your mascot oh man this is tough uh, i have to say oldham oldham's your mascot huh he's so, he's so lame sometimes because you know <laughs> like he promotes like degeneracy like crown of seeds and rampart are just broken um but I have to say I really enjoy like the pitch stacking that he provides and there's like well thought out games where you just you generally feel like sometimes you do outplay your opponent right um I like Bravo as well it's, it has to be between the two I can't pick one right now there hasn't been anything in fab that so far for me has been like that's the one you know outside of Starvo of course but I don't really count him if he's going to be out of the picture so guardian essentially yeah, just Guardian in general, I guess. Um, <laughs> all of them. I like them for different reasons, but I don't think there's been a hero yet that has had me, like, been super hyped. Like, Matt, you, like, you love Viserai, right? Yeah, like, I do. I don't think I've seen uh, a hero in Fab yet that has had me at that same excitement level that you have for Viserai, personally. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Sometimes, for me, it was like, that's what gravitated me to the game, though. You know, it wasn't like... Uh, I was like, oh, I really find these mechanics interesting. I find the the you know the uh, the art in the game interesting. I mean, I did, but what really drew me actually was kind of like the hero art. And then when I saw Viscera, I'm like, ooh, this one looks especially cool. And the idea of like the arcane rising, and then the whole packaging, and the idea of just getting started on something fresh and new, a brand new card game that I could kind of like find my way into. I was like very pumped and excited to do that so that's what kind of and then i associate that you know introductory feeling of getting into a game with viscerai because of i opened very early on grasp of the arc knight so i was like this uh, is like i have to build you know yeah, so, it fits right in right in flavor you just had yeah. to do it it makes sense it makes it sense. Was perfect yeah. it was meant to be yeah that is that is cool i mean uh yeah i mean like that was like the only game really that was running events like I think through COVID, which actually was why I picked it up. I was bored. All the Vanguard events got canceled for like two years. I got tired of of just sitting there, you know, playing online with no stakes. And then Fab is like, "LOL, one million dollar circuit." And I'm like, "What's this?" And then even Magic just just only recently, even after yeah. like the last year, only recently brought uh their competitive play back or pro play back. Yeah, I think to compete with Fab personally. I yeah, I mean were, they were losing a giant like the, the the market share. I guess you could say wasn't there. Like Fab had just total total reign over competitive play for any TCG. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Pokemon wasn't hosting events. I think Yu-Gi-Oh was, but very limited. But yeah, I think I think that's actually probably why Fab took off. Part for sure. Because sure. you had, had a lot of hype behind it too. Yeah, like that Vegas event for for Aria had like what nine hundred people, and that was when the game was still picking up steam. I think from that yeah. point onward, it just exploded. A hundred percent. I found oh. a Levia list, by the way. Oh hell yeah! Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, so yeah, that's it. That's why I've been weirdly quiet as I found it as well. <laughs> and I'm Man, trying to like, I'm trying to figure guys. it out. Send yeah, I, I'm looking at it. I, I think um, <laughs> it plays a lot of D reacts. There's nine pummels here. There's uh, two yellow unmovables. There's three red unmovables. Red sigil. It just seems super defensive, and then you just catch your opponent with chip damage on pummels. That's kind of what I understand. Oh, man, actually, that sounds so smart. Now that I think yeah. about it, now that I think about it, that sounds incredibly smart. Because okay, so here is I have I've watched Levia gameplay. I read the deck. I've like teched the deck a little bit. I've never played it, but I've seen enough. So you need the fuel for those attacks. The three, the XL three cards, right? Right. You want the fuel for them. So, what if you just spent most of the game, or the first half of the game, blocking, gaining life, and playing reactions? You fill up your graveyard with, you know, an even amount of six power cards and uh, reactions. And then, once you've, you know, whittled your opponent out of resources, you've blocked yourself, you've blocked enough cards to save your life total, right? Now you can start attacking them and you won't run out of cards to exile the banish from your graveyard to fuel all of your attacks. You would think so, but there's literally only one card with blood debt in this list. That's red hungering slaughter beast. Really? The rest of these are brute cards. There's three swing bigs. There's um, barraging beatdowns. There's yellow smash instinct. And there's high rollers. That's literally it. So this is... And pack hunt. Essentially, this is just a... uh... This is just a Reinar deck without the Reinar ability and with a Karan husk. It's almost like they look yeah. at Intimidate as a negative thing. Um, which is, I mean, you still have your Intimidate cards, but Intimidating less might actually be kind of a good thing, which is interesting. Yeah. Huh. yeah. I think husk is just huge. I think husk uh, is that's able also to fair. stop, like, to stop, um, I mean, like, Starvo Tempo. I mean, if you have a husk and you have a a sink below an arsenal or something like that. You can put up work. You're just chilling. And you can easily block with one card or de-react or, you know, do your shenanigans. You can stop those Oakenolds coming in. Oh, okay. So them. those are the changes. So I have the, I have, um, so Ethan Van Sant is the one that made this list. He's not the one that won with it. I have his older version where he was still trying to run two mandible claws. So the new one uses the, uh, primarily uses club with a, uh, with husk is that that's the tech yeah so that's you keep trying that's what i'm getting from it there's there's claws in the list though like as there should be against aggro decks yeah yeah i'm always i'm always a proponent of claws and club i don't like the all in on one side because you want to be able to uh pivot yeah i agree with that i think you play uh you play claws into the um decks like prism too and stuff like that yeah where you can hit multiple auras off the scab skin yeah, because it's not just once; it's a, it's a once per turn attack. So you gotta have two weapons to do that, for right, sure. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Yeah, good stuff, man. Love you, uh, representing out here. And uh, funny enough, you know what else was represented out here? Uh, three players registered decks with young heroes. 
So Ugh. this is really confusing to me. Because <laughs> it wasn't even like they were young heroes that that was like the only... Like, mm. I, it has to be a clerical uh, error, right? And it definitely has to be like a almost, I wouldn't say spiteful, but like a, uh, I'm sorry, I'm not going to change this for you kind of deal. You have to play with a young hero. Because like, you know, it like you couldn't... Yeah, you're right. It, it must have been a clerical error or the fact that like, at the event, somebody's turned in a uh, registration sheet with the young hero name, and they were forced to play a young hero. My biggest fear. So I, I like, had a I panic don't know. attack mid round one last week over this. I feel like in a, I feel like it's implied. So that's one of the things, right? Is you can have like within any deck list, you can kind of imply things. Um, and I like I get like you could be like a real rule stickler here, but that would just the intent isn't there. I, I feel like why on earth? Yeah, the intent that? clearly isn't there. I, oh, for but sure. also, it's important to remember that judges do accept tips. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> so I don't you have, like, yeah. like white out on you, Doug. Yeah, right. White out. Like, I swear I wrote Bravo star of the show. It's just white out next to star of the show. <laughs> I still, I, one of my favorite stories is the first IP two I ever had to give out was to another judge. It's nice. like, like, what were you oh, doing? Yeah. You filled this out wrong. Your deck list. You took the, you were trained. You were the chosen one. You're um, the chosen one. So I wonder if it's just an issue in the way the store reported the top eight because I refuse to believe. Well, okay, never mind. I've hung around in card stores long enough to know that there are definitely people that are cocky enough that are like, "I'm gonna take down this pro quest with 20 life." And like, <laughs> like that one I don't conspiracy know. theorist who's like, "Guys, I broke the meta. It's Kasai." But yeah. So I guess uh, Matt, you have you have the heroes listed. I did see that somebody tried to play Kasai at the uh, at the Grand Prix attached to the Pro Tour, which is fascinating. Makes yeah, me physically um, angry and people that do that. Funny. So let's see here. You have the list, right? All right. So one Bolton and two Chain. So it's kind of like, like what I mean. What happens? Like, one of them you, got for, one of them got top eight. It has to be a clerical error, right? Uh, unless it's just like the eight. psychological. Chain. A young chain deck. No, it has to be a clerical no, it's, error. It's any random that doesn't play fab would look at chain and they just see a wall of text and says chain bound by shadow and they're like, I'm just going to write chain. Like, yeah. I got eight more deck lists to submit. I or the psychological advantage of your opponent taking you less seriously because they only have to kill half of you. Husk is broken. Husk is literally broken. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, you get Husk for like three turns. Shane, 26 <laughs> life. Literally 26 life chain. It's like 30 with Skullcap. Skullcap just inherently turned on. Yeah, see, oh man. Well, that's the play. That's the, you know, that's the, uh, that's the, that's the line. You know, that's the yeah, angle they're taking. It. If you're going it's to RTN in South Florida and you're listening to this, make sure, play your young heroes because Skullcap will be turned on. Uh, and hard to find Don't forget yeah. about that. It'll be turned on. I promise you things will not go bad. You'll probably win. That won't be the only thing turned on. Nani? <laughs> Nani? Oh, phenomenal. So, I, I mean, looking over these lists, though, so something's interesting, right? We were talking about what the most underrated hero in the meta is. And if we're looking at decks by top eight conversion percentage, what's interesting is the 
most off-meta deck with the highest top eight conversion percentage is actually Katsu the Wanderer has taken down three pro quests in this season, uh, which is fascinating. He actually has a higher uh, he actually has a higher conversion rate than Lexi um, going into matches. So that's fascinating to me. So maybe maybe with this limited set of data, Katsu might actually be the most underrated hero. I don't know. Personally, I think it's Dory. I think it's um I think, I think it probably is Katsu. Yeah, because Katsu in this meta is actually not bad. Um Dory is not that far behind, rate, her. behind yeah, her. Yeah, the Lexi conversion rate is just low because everyone picked up the, the Yuki list and like that deck <laughs> they're all, is actually they're all back. Difficult. They took it's a break. Difficult. Yeah, like I look at that deck and there's like there's a lot of moving pieces. So if someone's not trained in matchups and sideboarding and, and then piloting it, it's gonna go it's gonna go two two. Um, yeah, yeah, like for sure. Especially when you're in a weird situation, you're not just steamrolling. The yeah, Katsu, she... though, you don't want to block. Like Katsu, you have to block. It's almost like Lexi, where it's like you're gonna get comboed off every single turn if you don't block. So Starvo and Chain, they don't want to block. I could see it kind of getting in some some sneaky wins there. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Prism, it's good in a Prism too, supposedly. 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 It's weird. <laughs> the matchup. Like, so I've played the Prism Katsu matchup a bunch of times, and it's kind of it's like 55 45 Katsu. It really mm-hmm. it just depends if they draw their poppers or not, because you can out aggro them so fast. The Heralds just if you just I think it's if you draw the the right side of your deck, right? Because I mean, you could yeah. sideboard auras probably out like the ones that you don't need. Right. But at the same time, if you're drawing auras, you're drawing auras. That's yeah, like any turn I can drop two heralds on you without yeah. you popping one is better than your best combo turn so it's like i don't know it's a weird matchup yeah it sounds sounds kind of dice really unfortunately absolutely so i guess our last piece of news here is that we are paving some streets with the road to nationals um, hell yeah happening entirely in the month of july I. Uh, the month which the Julian calendar is named for. Um, fun fact. Julius. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so what's interesting to me, right, is I think that LSS kind of knows when a hero is broken. And um, I'm looking at the prize sheet <laughs> for... Uh, for the road to nationals. And to me, mm-hmm. uh, they're kind of putting Icelander on a pedestal here where the only way to get the cold foil is by winning one of these. So apparently, uh, what is it? What is it? QED, um, Icelander cold foil adult hero is on par value wise with a full art tunic from last year in the eyes of LSS. I know that sounds ridiculous, but it might be. I find mean, that girl. It, it's uh, maybe it's a cool double-sided one, and we haven't seen it yet. Ooh, maybe you're right, Matt. And uh, maybe it has special Steve Argyle art. Ooh, that would be cool. Now nah, it's probably going to be the the set art with the new artist. But yeah, you know, now I'm making now I feel a little bit better getting about getting my armory kit uh, cold foil one signed. <laughs> 
the, everyone was uh, trading away, selling away their uh, $30 cold foil Icelanders from Armory Kit. Some of us got four genuses. Some of us. <laughs> and some of us I'm one of genus. them. I'm I traded all my genuses away. Genus. The genus is already old, and he's young. He's going to be a skeleton. <laughs> yeah, literal like Runeblade. <laughs> he's an old Runeblade old. merchant. Actually, yeah. that'd be. I mean, he's going to be a meme character for sure. I I think like so. Magic has this character named Fibblethip, who's just like a <laughs> ridiculous little eyeball monster. He kind of looks like Mike from Monsters Inc., but like he's Mike significantly more timid. <laughs> uh, and just like he was like a meme character for a while, where he would just end up in the art of places like where he just shouldn't be. Just uh, and I think belong. that's what's going to happen to Genus. He's just like he's going to be the merchant, dimension-ridden old man. Oh no, he's got what you need. <laughs> um, what you need. Oh god. So I, this is interesting, right? Um, Cold foil heroes, Feardromai, random for everyone in the top eight, which is pretty cool. Very and cool. uh, just for showing up, uh, ninth through thirty second, um, you get rainbow foil extended art cards. Um, and then the rest, and I really like that they're doing this because LSS is usually strict about promos and stuff. The store can just award them at their discretion. So, like, you could send a judge home, for instance, with a couple of them, um, which yeah, is pretty cool. Less than thirty-two players, but uh, I feel like we—if we're only getting one down here—we're probably not going to get less than thirty-two. That's true, dude. Software got bodied, bro. Again, yeah, I. Yeah, I think about this a lot, right, with like the lack of major events here in South Florida, despite us being the seventh largest television market in the United States. Um, and it has to be that LSS just sees Florida and that there's like six RTNs there and they just have no idea that our entire state's larger than their country. Like that has to be it, right? Yeah. Or they just I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't blame <laughs> them. Like, like, I saw they saw the memes. <laughs> I just hate Florida like, men. Yeah, they're just like, oh, like Florida. That's like Robin Tarek, right? Like, where do they live? Orlando. Five there, and then one for the hillbillies down south. <laughs> <laughs> and, all, and one for the hillbillies up north too. <laughs> it's like the main characters, you know. It's like South Florida doesn't have any main characters, so no one plays down there. One. Their cards catch fire. It's too yeah, hot. Like, it's like Miami. We're, we're like uh, Australia two point Like, why are you playing cards? You should be at the beach. The LSS in South Florida. Uh, I'm gonna write Cold James a letter. Curl at the beach. LSS, I, I promise we have main characters down here. We have like at least three main characters down here. Okay, at least three, and some good side characters that have been in development art. So please, if you're listening. Oscar Isaac's from here. He's from South Florida. We need more RTNs. I'm tired of going to one. I'm driving four <laughs> hours. Four hours. To have to play and just to, to have to have to compete with Rob and Derek. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I love I love listening to the hype anime opening playlist with the boys on a four hour road trip. However, I cannot do that every single weekend. I need sure to just roll out of bed and walk to my local ProQuest like everybody else does. <laughs> Absolutely. If only. If only. Ab so maybe next year. Maybe we'll get a. Uh, maybe Worlds will be in Miami. Oh, that'd be Dude, terrible. That'd be terrible. <laughs> the parking would be atrocious. The true, like the true test of like Worlds being in Miami, 
would be like who can actually get to the convention center without getting yeah. in the car. Yeah, we gotta leave three Seriously. hours before it starts. You know, it's twenty five miles the away. The vibes would be legendary. <laughs> oh gosh, the half the half the freaking room would be empty. Dude, imagine. Be kind of plus actually. We know what we're getting into. We can't leak the we can't leak the sauce. Oh yeah, <laughs> just don't tell anybody. To, just advantage. tell everybody. Uh, you, you only need you an hour much. to get you there. Too much. You said too much. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Battle hard well. Miami. <laughs> yeah, right. Starts well, in the I parking think, lot. Uh... Good luck. <laughs> oh, God. First to make I it mean, through the door gets a PTI. <laughs> I, I mean, I've been to great. Magic Grand Prix, which is like a equivalent size to like a, a calling slash pro tour in Miami. And um, you did have to leave super early. Like it was it was pretty gnarly. Um, and this was in 2013 where there were like half as many people in the world. Uh, oh, gosh. Because it feels like we've doubled in the last nine years. But I don't know. Yeah, we'll see if I... I mean, they've got to drop one in Miami, but I wonder if they're just like, oh, there's no local game stores there. And then like, well, yeah, it's it's because the real estate prices are too high. So who knows? Yeah, they got to make sure they know about uh, Nowhere Games and uh, what is it? uh, Kingslayer, right? Yeah, uh, Yeah. the homies up there, bro. Bromley store. Whenever that opens. All right, well, okay, so Matt... I think that sums it up for yeah. our recap of this week's metagame. So, Matt, I don't know if you realize this. What's up? But this has been our last episode uh, until Uprising spoilers come out next true. week. That's true. <laughs> so, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, 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 I can't wait. I hope you'll join us there, too. And... um. John, thank you very much for uh, for joining us today. Of course. Yeah, it was man, a pleasure. Thanks. thanks for having me on. No worries. Matt, do you have anything to add? Uh, just that uh, I hope we get to talk about some new cards when we uh, reconvene next week. And uh, I wish this was the part where I get to tell you that we have a uh, exclusive pitch stack uh, uprising preview, but we don't. So somebody email uh, James White and LSS and get them on, get them on top of that, you know? Absolutely. Uh, we'll get there. I do. Um, I don't know. I think like uh, I think if we if they if they don't release any cards, maybe maybe we'll get to. Uh, maybe you guys will get to hear my fan fiction where Levia met Reinar and he trained her in the brute ways. Um, I, really you gonna, I thought you were going somewhere else with that. No, I don't write that kind of fan fiction anymore. Um, Is there a market for that? Asking for a friend. 100%. You got to get all the players in on it. Yeah, they'll take commissions. All right, well, that about does it for Pitch Stack, episode 11. Um, And uh, we'll uh, see you all next week. Take care.